I do feel like the Lord has spoken to me about this evening. So we want to get into the teaching of the word of the Lord. Somebody said amen. He's excited about Bible study tonight. How many is excited about let your light shine? Oh, hallelujah. I mean, no, God's talking to us. I thought Sunday, I thought we might be done. And then the Lord reminded me of some things that he wanted me to teach on tonight. And then the last couple of days, he's just been... So I have no idea how long we're going to go. As long as God's talking, I want to listen. So it may be where I get up and say, you know, this is part 47. <laughs> but I believe, I do believe. Man, and you do not want to miss Sunday. I'm telling you right now. You do not want to miss Sunday. Amen. Things God's speaking to me. And um, just, uh, it's, it's, it's already, just in the last couple of days, it is already beginning to revolutionize my life, my prayer, my thought process. And um, uh, it's, well, just be here Sunday. Let your light shine. Somebody said amen. amen. Darkness cannot stop the light. Can't. And the darker the world gets, the greater God's purpose and plan for the church is going to be accomplished. It's going to be fulfilled. How many believe that? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. So the light of God's glory, power will shine. It will shine. Irrespective of who's in office, irrespective of what's going on in our world, irrespective of any laws that are passed, irrespective of all of those things, the light of Jesus Christ will shine in the world. He will have a people. They will do great exploits. The church is not going to limp its way into eternity. The church is going to be vibrant and powerful and mighty. The light of Jesus Christ will shine in all the earth. The question throughout this series has been, will he or will we allow his light to shine through us? That's the question. That's the question that has been asked. That's in multiple ways and forms and facets. It's not will his light shine because his light will shine. The question is, is will his light shine through me? Am I willing to do what I'm supposed to do in order to allow that light to be one of those who allow the light of Jesus Christ to shine in this world? Oh, hallelujah. The church is going to do great things. Am I going to be a part of that church that is doing great things? The book says this, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. Now, we're, you ready for Bible study? I'm going to dig into the word. Matthew 5 and 14. Ye are the light of the world. Turn your neighbor, tell him, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. I'm going to need your minds tonight. A city, think about this now, a city whose resident, uh, whose, whose residents decided to build 
upon that which was high and that which was lofty, a city that was set on a hill. This, the residents of that city decided we're going to build the city. Where are we going to build it? We're going to build it upon that which is high and that which is lofty. If that's the case, then it will be seen for miles around. That's what the word of the Lord is telling us. But here's the thing. It is more difficult to build something on top of a high place. It's more difficult. You, you have to work harder to carry everything up a hill to get to the top, to build the city. But not only is it more difficult, more strenuous, more taxing on, our, on the flesh, but it is also, because it is more difficult, it, is also, it also costs more to build in a high and lofty place. But once you have become willing to work the necessary work and pay the necessary price to build on that which is high and lofty, then you can have an assurance that your city will be seen and noticed for miles around. Oh, hallelujah. Hear me now. It is a lot more difficult and it is a lot more costly to build our Christian lives on that which is high and lofty. For the high and lofty things of Christ and of his word require us to push some things in our lives until they will eventually rise to that lofty place that God is asking us to go. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I was just sharing with my wife today, just a little private conversation, but I, I just told her, I said, uh, you know, it, one thing that's uh, difficult about pastoring is that I feel like uh, I'm always pushing. We're all, I'm always pushing. But the reality is, is that, is how many know that's where we all are? That in order to get to the place where God wants us to be, we're going to have to push some stuff to get there. And how many know, and I, and I said this, I said, you know, sometimes, and, and, I, and with God's help, I'm not going to do this, but sometimes it would just be easier, Brother Rima, to just be like, you know what, we got a good 150 folks and the bills are paid and we got a nice building. We're just going to kind of go into coast mode. Right? Well, you know, we're just going to coast. We'll, go, we'll have good church. We'll have good church, but we'll just kind of coast and just kind of hang with the folks that we got and I'm full time and the church has blessed us to be able to do that. We'll just kind of coast. But how many know that's not the will of God? That's not the will of God. Oh, hallelujah. And so here it is that we understand that to get to those high and lofty places in God, it, 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 it's going to cost us something. Come on now. It's going to cost us something. We're going to have to pay some prices. Pay the price to get where we are to where God wants us to be. And it's this higher price that we are going to pay in order to get to the higher dimensions of God and his word and his plan and his purpose for our church. 
Because how many know it's easy to live in the lowlands of Christian mediocrity? You don't have to do much to be a mediocre Christian. Show up every once in a while, drop a few bucks in, clap your hands when you're supposed to. Mediocrity, Christian mediocrity. It doesn't require much. It doesn't ask much. If you feel like coming, you can come. If you don't want to come to service, you don't really have to. Make excuses, this, that, and the other. It doesn't really require too much. And that place does not require any kind of confrontation. There's no challenge at that place. There's nothing challenging us. There's nothing confronting us. It doesn't require any kind of spiritual determination. It doesn't, matter. It doesn't require any kind of uh, uh, will, spiritual will to accomplish something for the glory of God because this is just where we're at. This is where we're going to stay. This is where we're going to be next week, next month, next year. It doesn't require much obedience. doesn't require much submission. It doesn't require much spiritual insight. And whereas that place may be easier, it's also a place where our light is not going to be seen by too many people. Oh, hallelujah. So it is that God has been challenging us these last few weeks. And yes, he's been confronting us these last few weeks. And yes, he's been pushing us these last few weeks. And he's been requiring from us a willingness to change and a willingness to submit and a willingness to obey his voice. But in the doing of that which is hard and in the doing of that which is difficult, in the doing and the willingness to do that which requires us to say, I don't want to stay where I am, but I want to get up higher. I want to go where God wants me to go and yes, it kind of hurts my flesh and yes, I got to pay a price and yes, it's going to exact its toll on my fleshly condition and my fleshly will, but I'm going to push past it all in order to get to the high place that God is calling me to get to and those that are willing to do that which is hard in your life individually and in our lives collectively as a church. As we, are, as we are lifted to that higher dimension, as we are lifted to that higher place in the spirit through that which God has been speaking to us, that is then going to release the Lord to position us in that place. He's trying to get us to. Oh, hallelujah. You gotta understand, he's been trying to position us in this higher place, yes, it takes work. Yes, it takes some pain. Yes, it takes some repentance. Yes, it takes some sacrifice. But it's a, the purpose of it all was to get us to raise up a little higher because when we get to that high place, he said, now there's gonna be a bunch of people that are gonna be able to see the light. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And I heard you praying. I heard you praying and I heard you crying and I heard you reaching to me for greater effectiveness in the kingdom and I heard your cry about greater revival and greater harvest. I heard your cry about packing the building out and going to multiple services and multiple campuses. I heard your cry about all of that and I knew the only way that prayer could be answered is if more people could see the light 
I know maybe what you wanted me to do was just send the sinners to the room. The problem is the sinners couldn't see the light from where you previously were. But because you were willing to push to the top, because you were willing to make the sacrifice, because you were willing to do what it required to get to the place, that place, the position place that I'm trying to get you. The reason I'm getting you there is because once you get there, there's going to be a bunch of people that are going to be able to see the church like they've never seen the church before. See the power like they've never seen the power before. See the light. Come on, somebody praise him. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. So we go back now, Matthew 5, 14. Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. But rather they put it on a candlestick. And it giveth, now watch, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Now, I want you to notice that Jesus tells them, verse 14, he says, you are the light of the, what? The world. But then, when he chooses to illustrate this reality of the light and them being the light, he uses the analogy, and I need your minds, he uses the analogy of their light illuminating their house. Is that what it says? Now, I don't, think it, I don't think it's accidental, and I don't think I'm stretching this point. When I say that Christ, I believe from this text, that Christ first wanted them to light up their homes, and then they would light up their worlds. Ooh, come on, Jesus. For how can we ever believe for a world-shaking revival if we can't even believe for a home-shaking revival? How can we believe for a great harvest in our schools and in our workplaces, in our college campuses and in our neighborhoods if we cannot even believe for a great harvest in our homes and in our families and in amongst our friends? I told you last week that God's people in Acts 4 prayed the psalmist David's prayer when they were faced with threats. Remember us talking about that? And part of the psalmist's prayer was this. Psalm chapter 2 and verse 8. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. So how many see that that was the promise of God to the church. Just as you and I have been promised to be the light to all the world, they were promised the uttermost parts of the earth would be their possession because we are all the church, the body of Christ. But the reality is, is that sometimes, let's just be real, sometimes when we begin to talk about a, a world-shaking revival, we don't always have the faith to believe for something on that dimension. Come on, let's just be real. 
It's hard to comprehend, right? We'll clap and we'll say amen, but to really have faith for it, that you can accomplish it, sometimes that eludes us. So now watch this. In preparation for the fulfillment of his promise of the entire, listen, of the entire earth being the possession of the church, Christ would give them these instructions just three chapters before. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Ready? But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses or you shall be the light unto me both in Jerusalem which was their home city and in Judea which was their home state and in Samaria which is the country they were in and then the uttermost parts of the earth. Oh hallelujah. In other words, when you start seeing revival when you start seeing harvest, when you start seeing breakthrough in the areas that are closest to you, then you're going to begin to have faith to see those same things begin to happen on a larger scale. Ooh, hallelujah. He said, I'm not calling you first to see revival in Samaria. I'm calling you first to see it happen in Jerusalem. But once you see it happen in Jerusalem, your faith is gonna begin to expand to begin to believe it in Judea. And when you see it happen in Judea, you're gonna, faith is gonna rise and say, we can see it in Samaria. And when you see that, you're gonna say, we can see it all across the world. Ooh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. So I said that to say this. I thank God for our promised revival of the masses. I thank God for the harvest of those who we don't even know across the world that are gonna be born again and come into the church of the living God. I thank God for that. But I just believe that in order for some in this room to begin to have the faith necessary to see God do something on a larger scale, that it's gonna be the will of God for you to begin seeing it happen first among those that you're closest to. I need somebody to come into agreement with me right now about what I'm preaching. Somebody needs to start letting your light shine in your home. Somebody needs to start prophesying a harvest in your family. Somebody needs to start claiming the souls of your friends to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Somebody needs to start believing again for your backslidden child, for your backslidden spouse, for your backslidden friend or family member. Yes, I'm believing for something great, but some of us need to have the faith necessary for that which is closest and then that'll catapult us to believe for something greater. I believe, I absolutely one million percent believe the church as a whole is about to witness the greatest harvest we have ever seen 
as a whole. But I think that is going to be preceded by the greatest harvest that we have ever seen in the lives closest to us. I don't need you to shout, but I need somebody to agree with that right now. Uh, come on, I feel a little doubt right now. And here's why. The enemy, you are so close to those things. You're so close to it. It can never happen. It can never happen. I see them. I see them. I know what they look like. I know how they act. I know what they think. I know what they think. But I'm here to tell you tonight, you need to have faith again. lift our hands right now. Let's lift our hands. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. 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 Holy Ghost power, Holy Ghost power, Holy Ghost power. Holy Ghost power. Come on, somebody needs to have faith for there's going to be a revival in your home. I said somebody needs to have faith to start believing that there's going to be a revival in your home. There's going to be a revival in your marriage. There's going to be a revival in your kids. There's going to, ah, come on, somebody believe it, believe it, believe it, believe it, believe it, believe it, believe it. If not, it's going to hinder your faith for something greater. How could you ever believe this church is going to be packed out if you can't even believe your own family is going to be saved? Come on, somebody lift your hands and come into agreement with the word of the Lord right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now watch this, watch this. The demoniac, the demoniac was delivered of the Lord. Remember that story in scripture? The demoniac was delivered of the Lord. And he wanted to go, he was such an awesome thing, he wanted to go with the Lord. Jesus was leaving and he wants to go with him. But this is what Jesus tells him to do. Mark 5, 19. How be it, Jesus suffered him not. He said, no, no, you can't come with me. But he saith unto him, go home to your friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath compassion on thee. And so Jesus departs and begins, or the man departs and he begins to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. Now watch. And all the men did marvel. Notice. He starts off just telling a few of his friends about what Jesus had done for him. Jesus said, listen, I, I, I know what I want to do. I know what I want to do in this city. I want to have a revival of all the men. And I know how I'm going to get there. Why don't you go home and start talking to your friends? Because there's something that happens when somebody begins to have faith to believe for a revival in that which is closest to them. 
something begins to spread from that. So he goes and he tells his friends. And then in the telling of his friends, it turns into a revival of all the men in the city. And I just feel in the Holy Ghost that if we will let our light shine into the lives of those that are closest to us, we're about to see the greatest harvest of our friends and family members we've ever seen. But it's not going to stop there. But that's going to be the catalyst that allows our faith to rise to say we can pack this place out. We can start campuses. We can go to multiple services. We can do something great for the, I believe it now. I didn't believe it before. Before I just said amen, but I didn't see it. But because of the revival I've seen personally, now I believe for a revival collectively. Come on, praise him, praise him, praise him. Woo. Then that passage of scripture closes by saying this. Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So we see here that if our worlds are going to get to the place where they begin to glorify Jesus in their lives, it's going to be because they first see our good works. And here's the thing. Works speak of action, not words. They're not going to come to the knowledge of truth simply because of something we may say, but more probably so because of something that we do. And it is this concept of what we have been called to do that segues into the remainder of what I want to spend my time on this evening. For I believe that what God has asked us as believers to do in Scripture, or or what he asked the believers to do in Scripture is what he's still asking the believers to do today. I also believe that if we become willing to do what they did in Scripture, then we'll be willing or able to see what they saw. How many believe if we do what they did, we'll see what they saw? Because God's no respecter of persons. So what did they do? Luke chapter 9 and verse 1. Everybody good? Then he called his 12 disciples together. Gave them power and authority over all devils. To cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God. To heal the sick. And he said unto them, take nothing for your journey, neither staves nor script, neither bread, neither money, neither have two coats apiece. And whatsoever house ye enter into, there abide and thence depart. And whatsoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust off your feet for a testimony against them. There's so much to this we don't have time to talk about. But then watch what their response was. Verse 6, and so they departed and they went through that the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So what did they do? They preached the gospel. They cast out devils. They healed the sick. Nothing new. (laughs) They preached the gospel. They cast out devils. 
that healed the sick. So, in this series of letting our light shine, what does that look like? How do we do that? I believe that God is calling you and I to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. Cast out devils and heal the sick as well. I didn't get any amens on that. Does anybody believe that? But here's a few things about this text that I, I feel led of the Holy Ghost to point out. The first is this. Luke chapter 9 and verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together. Somebody say together. And then he gave them power and authority over all devils to cure diseases. I need us to see that the Lord could only give them this revelation of their power and authority once they all came together. Oh, hallelujah. And unlocking, you, we got to get this, an unlocking of revelation concerning the power and the authority that we possess through Christ. We have it. The issue is, is understanding what we have. That's where the problem is. If we truly understood what we had, we'd be casting out devils and healing the sick. Our problem is we shout about what we know we have intellectually, but we don't really fully have revelation of how to use it experientially. So it is that God was trying to give us revelation of this. I, wanna, I want you to know what you have. I, I want you to have revelation of the power and the authority that you possess. But here it is that we have to see that it, it is only made possible, this revelation is only made possible when we come together or when we are in complete unity with the body of Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Why? Why? Because revelation speaks of knowledge and wisdom and understanding, right? And all of those things come from where? The mind or the head. And the book says this when speaking about Jesus, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18, and he is the head of the body. So get this now, all knowledge, all revelation, all understanding comes from the head, which is Christ. So it is impossible to be disconnected from the body and still get revelation from the head. The head can only send information to the parts of the body that are connected one with another. So to have this revelation of power and to have this revelation of authority that we possess to the point where we'll actually start doing something with it and not just shouting about it. We must first come into an agreement with the totality of the body of Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. That doesn't mean 
that we come into agreement with those that we agree with. It doesn't mean that we only come into agreement with those people that we like. We come into agreement with the totality of the body. All of the body. If they're in the body, we need to be connected to them. Unified with them. Or else, the mind, the head, when sending Revelation signals will not be able to come to where we are. We will not be able to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. At some point, it's going to get a little quiet now maybe, but at some point, the message and the revelation that is only released from the head has to become something that we desire more than the maintaining of that feud with our brothers or sisters in the Lord. At some point, hearing God's voice clearly has to become more of what we want than the fleshly pleasure we receive from holding on to a grudge Refusing to forgive. Oh, hallelujah. Hear me. We can get heavenly revelation or our fleshly way, but we can't have both. We can't have both. We're going to have one or the other. And I feel so strongly to tell someone that God really does want to use you in a powerful dimension. And the moment you submit yourself to this book and you become willing to ask for forgiveness and you become willing to give forgiveness will be the moment that the knowledge and the revelation of God's power and authority will begin to be realized in your life. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Well, pastor, I just can't, I just don't seem to be doing nothing. I just, I just can't seem to, uh, you know, do anything for the Lord and on and on and on. If that's the case, I would question, I would ask you to question your unity with the body. If you are ineffective in the kingdom, I would ask you to search your heart as it applies to your unity with the body and not your unity with 90% of the body. Your unity with the totality of the body because one person that we're disconnected from makes us disconnected. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I believe. I believe. And and let, let me tell you something. The devil knows the word probably better than we know the word. And he knows this principle. And this is why he's fighting some of you so hard in this particular area of your life. This is why 
He's trying to bring disunity and discord into your life towards somebody in the, in the church because he is so afraid of you getting revelation of power and authority because he knows the potential you have to tear his kingdom down. And so as long, as long as he can keep you fighting and feuding, he's got you disconnected on the sidelines. But the moment you get connected, the moment revelation from the head becomes the most important thing to you and not just getting your way or having the last word or I showed them, the moment getting revelation from him becomes all that you want and you say, this doesn't matter. Would you forgive me? I'll forgive you. Let's pray one for another. Let's get this right because this is so insignificant in relationship to that. I want that. I want a hearing. I want revelation. I want understanding. I want what God wants for me. Oh, hallelujah. Now, let me show you. Let me show you why we need this revelation of the power and the authority that you and I already possess. We just don't have a grasp on it. How many have been faced in your life? How many have been faced with things that you, and just be transparent now, be honest, that you doubted had a fix? Thank you, Sister Bobby. Two of us at least. You were face to face with something and you were like, I just don't know if there's going to be a remedy for that. I just don't know if there's any way out of that. We need this revelation that I'm talking about from the head because the book says this, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the what? That's where? In us. Not that's out there somewhere. The power that is already in us. So get this now. There is a power that is at work within us that is so that it is capable of doing things we have not even asked for. In fact, the power that is within us is so great that it is capable of doing things we have not even thought about. That's how great the power is. So if the power within us has the potential of doing those things that we haven't even asked for, that we haven't even thought about, that we haven't even comprehended, then it most assuredly has the power to handle the stuff that we are asking for and the stuff we are thinking about and the stuff we are facing. If we could truly open ourselves to this revelation of the power and the authority that we possess through Christ, there would never be anything that we would ever think would be too hard for God. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Doesn't matter how big it is. 
Oh, I felt the last couple services uh, to proclaim uh, that somebody needs to start speaking to mountains. <laughs> the problem is sometimes we don't speak to mountains because we think mountains are too big. But if we could get a revelation of the power and the authority that we possess, we could do what the Lord is telling us to do and start speaking to mountains and causing them to be removed into the sea. Come on, I need somebody to hear me now. There needs to be somebody in the house that says, I want to get connected with the bride of Christ, with the body of Christ like never before because I want this power and this authority not just in me. I want it activated out of me. Somebody said amen. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us, somebody shout it, all things. Not some things, not a few things, not most things, all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him, the head, giving us the knowledge, called us to his glory and virtue. Life here, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Life speaks of that which is natural. Godliness speaks of that which is spiritual. So whether we are dealing with that which is natural or that which is spiritual, we have already been given all things necessary through the power we possess through Christ to to deal with any of those things in any dimension we will ever face. We just have to get a revelation of that fact. That's why we feel overwhelmed. That's why we feel hopeless, helpless, at a loss. We have the God who can do all things in us, and we feel like there's no hope. Why? Because we haven't got revelation of the power and the authority we possess through Christ. Come on, somebody. We, have, we don't have revelation of this. We shout about it, but we're not using it because we don't really fully grasp it. We need to be open, connected, so that God will give us this revelation. If we're going to see what God wants us to see, we're going to have to start operating in this power and authority. Come on, somebody. If we're going to see this stuff we keep shouting about, we're going to have to start some point operating in the power and the authority that we have to lay hands on the sick, to cast out devils, to heal the sick. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus said, heal the sick. He didn't say pray for the sick. We pray for the sick. And then we say, okay, God, it's up to you. Right? And God said, I already did everything necessary for their healing. And then I told you, heal the sick. You say, well, I'm just a human being. That's our problem. We're so focused on our humanity 
that we don't have revelation of the power and the authority that is within us. He said, you guys go, you cast out devils, you preach the gospel, and you heal the sick. So what did they do? They went, they preached the gospel, and they healed the sick everywhere. They're no different than us. They just had revelation of the power and the authority that they had through Christ. hallelujah it's time for us to start activating it it's time for us to start using it let your light shine that's what we're talking about that's what we're talking about come on it's time for the church to be apostolic it's time for us to do what they did it's time for us to start seeing everything the word of God called us to see it's time for the church to refuse to just say I'm just going to coast I'm just going to patty cake my way I'm just going to be happy being saved and listening for the trumpet to be sound no I'm ready to do something great for the kingdom of God I'm ready for a revelation of that which I have and then when I get it I'm going to put it to practice I'm going to boldly declare what God called me to be I'm going to preach it I'm going to live it. I'm going to do it. Now, I'm hurrying. Luke chapter 9 and verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and he gave them power and authority over all devils. Not some, but all. To cure diseases. Now watch, verse 2. And he sent them. Everybody say he sent them. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. This is important, I believe. That word sent is a word that means to order one to go to an appointed place. He did not give them revelation of power and authority and then say, just go find some place. But this word that is used denotes the fact that he sent them individually or two by two or whatever to an appointed place. Here's where I want you to go. Here's where I want you to go. So here we see that when Jesus sent them out to let their light shine, again, he didn't just tell them to go any old place. He sent them with the specific place that he had appointed them to go. Hear me. This is why a daily relationship with Jesus Christ is vital if we're going to let our light shine. Vital. Without it, we're not going to do it. Because we have to be willing or capable of hearing his voice tell us with specificity what he wants us to do, where he wants us to do it, and what he wants us to say. We are going to be most effective for the kingdom when we are positioned daily in the place he wants us to be. What are my steps today, Jesus? What are my steps today? And when we have that relationship with him, in the course of the day, you hear his voice. See that lady? See that man? I want you to go here. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. I told the story a long time ago. Nona Freeman, mightily used of God, mighty relationship with the Lord, powerful, powerful woman of God. One day, she was at her kitchen sink washing dishes, and the Lord tells her, go outside on the front porch and wave. So 
She's like, that's silly. Why would I do that? Go outside on the front porch and wave. So she does. She goes out, front porch. She waves. Waves for a couple of minutes. You know, people are passing by, whatever. Doesn't seem nothing happening. Goes back in, finishes washing dishes. She's like, ah, I don't know what that was all about. A few months later, she was ministering at a church. Her husband, I can't remember the time frame, but they were ministering at this church. And a man came up to her. And he said, do you remember me? She said, no. He said, a few months ago, I was so despondent that I put the shotgun in my car and I was driving out to the rock quarry to end my life because I didn't think anybody cared about me and I didn't think anybody loved me. He said, I drove by a house and a woman that looks just like you was standing on the front porch waving and smiling. He said, I got to the rock quarry. I got the shotgun. He said, but all I could think about was the smile of love and that wave from that lady that didn't even know me that would take the time to wave at me and smile at me. He said, so I put the gun down and I made my way to a church and it was an apostolic church and God filled him with the gift of the Holy Ghost. What am I talking about? I'm talking about a people that'll get sensitive to the voice of God through daily relationship. So no matter what you're doing in your day at work or at school or whatever it is, you can hear that still small voice of God telling you this and speak this and go here and don't do that. Don't go into the room yet. Wait just a minute. Go over there. Buy this. Do this. Whatever. Brother Bailey, several years ago, was ministering here. You might remember the story. But for those that weren't, let me retell it. Brother Bailey, an awesome, awesome man of God, tremendous prayer life, relationship with the Lord. He was ministering out one, one evening and he had a drive home and, and uh, he's driving home and he's just about to get to the street to turn off to go to his house. It's late at night. He's been driving for a couple of hours and the Lord tells him, I want you to drive a few, go, keep going straight, drive a couple, more, uh, a couple more miles to the gas station. I want you to go there and I want you to be there at midnight. How many remember this story? Two of you. I want you to drive. I want you to drive to the gas station. I want you to get there at midnight. And Brother Bailey starts arguing with God. He's like, God, I'm tired. I preached. It's late. I don't want to do this. Can I just go home? And God's like, no, go there. Be there at midnight. I don't want to do it. Do it anyway. So Brother Bailey telling the story is pretty funny to hear. He said, I got mad at God. Fine, I'll go. And he floors it. Speeds all the way there. Gets there at about 11.50. Walks into the gas station to the convenience area. It's late. It's almost midnight. There's a lady behind the counter and nobody else in the room. He walks in, sees her, says hi. She says hi. She goes back to what she's doing. He's like, God, nothing's happening. But he knew what God told him to do. So he just kind of, now you can imagine it's starting to get a little awkward. Right? Right? Almost midnight, there's a lady behind the counter and a guy just standing there. So he's like, well, I better act like I'm shopping. So he walks over and gets him a Diet Coke and kind of meanders around a little bit. It's 11.55, still nothing happening. The lady asks him again. He said, the lady's looking at him kind of weird. What's going on? At midnight, two ladies walk in. Their friend is working. They begin to have a conversation. He looks and he watches and he begins to overhear them and they bring a Bible out and put it on the counter and those ladies said, we've been reading these verses all day but we don't understand what they mean. 
He hears them. He walks over. He tells them who they are, who he is. And he says, I can explain those verses to you. Gives them a Bible study there. The next week, they baptized all three of them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on. This isn't just for Nona Freeman. This isn't just for Brother Bailey. This is for every person in this room. I said this apostolic dimension is for every single person that has the gift of the Holy Ghost and is willing to have a, such a relationship with Jesus Christ that you hear him as he speaks you to that appointed place. Come on, somebody praise him right now. Come on. I wonder who in the room right now, deep down inside, you're not just clapping about because of what Brother Bailey did and Sister Nona Freeman did, but there's something within you that says, I want that. Uh, uh, come on, who is it? I want that. Uh, I want to experience that. Uh, I want to be a part of that. Uh, I want to do whatever I got to do uh, in order to work in those dimensions of the Spirit. Come on, I believe it's the will of God for us to start seeing more and more and more of those kind of things in this church. Not overseas, not halfway across the country, but in this church with you and with me. I believe it's the will of God for us to start hearing more testimonies of people being used by God in a great and powerful way. Come on, somebody with faith, would you just agree with that? Come on, with faith. I'm not done, but just, just with faith, would you agree? Does anybody believe we're supposed to see more of what we're not seeing right now? We're supposed to see more. Come on, somebody needs to have a desire to operate in those kind of things. Say, well, I've been in church for a year. It doesn't matter if you got the Holy Ghost. Well, I made mistakes. Doesn't matter if it's under the blood, God's forgiven you. Let's, let's continue quickly now. You may be seated. Everybody good? You want me to keep going? Luke 9 and 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together, gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. I'll go fast. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said unto them, take nothing for your journey. Neither a stave nor a script. Neither bread, neither money. Neither have two coats apiece. Now, I wish I had time to preach all that, but I don't. But a stave. He said, don't, don't take a stave. A stave was a staff. A staff. Now, I've kind of been wrestling with this verse a little bit. I'm like, okay, God, I get the money part. You know, you want them to rely on you, whatever. But why can't they bring a staff? It's a walking stick. They didn't, you know, they didn't have airplanes. They're mostly walking everywhere they go. You won't even let them bring a staff? A staff. So then I begin to think about it, look at it, comprehend it a little bit. A staff was something that most of the time individuals would make for themselves. They would kind of hike around amongst the trees until they found an, an, an appropriate size branch. They'd cut it down. They'd chop off the limbs that were on it. 
They'd file down the rough patches. They'd cut it down to size in order that it would fit their height, their gait. And then this would be the instrument that they would lean on for help and balance as they traveled. So it is that when the Lord told them to not carry their staff, it was like he was telling them that the journey, stay with me now, the journey he wanted them to go on and the ministry that he was calling them to fulfill could not be brought about by leaning on anything that they had created with their own abilities and with their own hands. His request for them not to use their staffs, I believe, was a way to teach them the necessity of leaning on him and him alone in order to do what he had called them to do. So what does that mean for you and I today? There are things, hear me, there are things that our flesh have accomplished. Those aren't bad things. But there are things that our flesh has produced. There are things that our flesh has established that if we are not careful can become what we lean on more than what we lean on God. Hear me now. A reliance on what we have accomplished through education, through finance, through personality, through skill, talents, abilities, will never be able to help us accomplish what God has called us to do. And here's what I feel the Holy Ghost speaking to us now. Too many Christians are only doing ministry at the level at which their human ability can accomplish what they're doing. But the Holy Ghost is speaking to the church about getting out into a dimension of ministry that will require a total and complete reliance on the Spirit of God that is at work within us. This is what the Spirit is saying to the church. That is why the book says this in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. But in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Paths speak of direction. Paths speak of progress. They speak of accomplishment. They speak of destination. They speak of fulfilled purpose. And the Lord is telling us that we can experience all of those things if we'll become willing to step out in faith as it relates to our lights shining where we are totally and completely dependent upon the work of the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Does anybody hear the Holy Ghost talking to you right now? What are we doing right now in ministry that is totally 
It totally requires the spirit to accomplish it. How much of what we are doing can we do without God? We're wise enough. We're strong enough. Talented enough. We can do this with or without God. How much of what we are doing can be accomplished with our own flesh? And how much of what we are doing is absolutely 100% dictated and incumbent upon God moving or else it ain't going to happen. This is where God's trying to get us. This is the place God's trying to get us to. He's trying to get us to a place. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I know what time it is. God's trying to get us to a place right now where we would begin to step out in faith, every one of us. Can you imagine what would happen in this room? What would happen in this church if every person in this place would make up your mind, I'm going to start doing something for God that without God's help is going to fall flat. But with his help, I'm tired of doing everything I can do in my own abilities and with my own strength. I can make it happen. I can make it work. I can bring it to pass. I can fulfill it. I can accomplish it. I can make it happen. I'm tired of that. I want to step into a dimension where it's like, God, if you don't do something, we're in a lot of trouble. That's where I want our church to start living. That's the dimension of the spirit I want this church to begin to follow into. I'm closing. In Ezekiel, we find, just if you, if you could, if you've started checking out, if you could check back in for just a few minutes, and then we'll go. In Ezekiel, we find that he has a vision of these waters flowing out of the presence of the Lord. And in this God-given vision, there's a man with a measuring line in his hand that's measuring the waters. Let me read it to you, Ezekiel 47 and 3. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits and he brought me through the waters and the waters were to the ankles. But how many know if the water's to your ankles, you can still touch bottom? Therefore, he was still in control. So long as his feet are securely planted on the ground, he's still in control. Again, he measured, verse four, again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters. The waters we're to the knees, but again, if your knees are knee-deep water, your feet are still touching the bottom, you're still in control. Again, he measured a 1,000, and he brought me through the waters to the loins. Again, still touching bottom, still in control. But afterward, he measured a 1,000, and it was a river that I could not pass over, for the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. Now, he can't touch bottom. Now, he's not in control. The moving of the water is what's controlling. And he said unto me, son of man, hast thou seen this? Now watch, you got to get this, and I'm hurrying to a close. The very moment he got to a place where his feet in God, in this vision, where his feet could not touch bottom, the very moment he got to that place, 
The very moment he got to the place where he was no longer in control. And now he was at the total mercy and the direction of the moving of the Spirit. It was that moment that the Lord speaks to him in this vision and says, I want to show you something. I want to show you something. I want to show you something you haven't seen before. I I could not show this to you as long as the water was to your ankles and to your knees and to your loins because ultimately your feet were still touching bottom and you were in control. I couldn't show it to you then. But the moment you moved past that place of self-control and entered into the dimension of spirit control was the moment now I can release to show you something I couldn't previously show you. Stay with me, please. So what was the Lord? What did he show him? Ezekiel 47 and 6. And he said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? Have you ever seen this before? The question was a rhetorical question. The Lord knew he hadn't seen it because the Lord hadn't shown it to him because as long as he was in control, he could not see it. Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. So what is he doing? He brings him back to the very place he started. Now when I had returned, behold, at the bank of the river, same river, were very many trees on the one side and on the other side. Think with me. Get this. It was the same river that he had just experienced. It wasn't a different river. It was the same river he had just experienced. But the first time he experienced it, there were no trees, at least he didn't see the trees lining the bank. But now he could see them. Hear me in the Holy Ghost right now. There are some things like these trees that are an absolute reality in the spirit. But we will never be able to see them until we get to a place where the spirit is controlling us and not we ourselves. As long as we want to be in control, as long as we want to be able to dictate We don't mind feeling the water. We don't mind feeling the spirit. We don't even mind it getting a little higher. We don't mind being, you know, half of our body in it and experiencing the joy and the coolness of it. But we want control. But as long as we have that attitude, there are things that we will not be able to see. But the moment that God gets us to this dimension of ministry and of power where we transcend to this next level past our abilities, past our talents, past our ability to control everything and we get to that place where we are totally dependent upon where God wants to lead us. Then we're going to begin to see things we've never seen. I might talk about it more on Sunday, but the Lord's been dealing with me. 
that the church, as the church, we are, we are supposed to be seeing a whole lot more angels than what we see. We see devils everywhere, but we don't ever see angels. That's not the will of God. Are they there? I feel the Holy Ghost right now so strong. There is an angelic host. There was a pro- was the prophecy on Sunday. I believe it was Sunday. That we're going, but angels are going with us. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even think about that till just right now. The Lord is confirming this. It is the will of God for this church to begin to see things we've never seen in the spirit realm and in the spirit dimension. It is the will of God for angelic beings and angelic hosts to become something that is normal in the body of Christ. And the Lord said, I want to show those things to you. I want you to see those things. I want I want you to start operating in those dimensions. I want you to start seeing apostolic stuff. I want you to start seeing spiritual things that you've only ever heard missionaries talk about. I want you to see it, but you got to be willing to let go of your control. Let the Spirit of God lead you. You can't control it, but if you'll let the Holy Ghost lead you, and guide you uh, and direct you. Uh, I'm going to start showing you stuff that's been there the whole time. I can't see them now, but I believe there's angels in this room. But one day I want to be preaching and look out and see angels encamped at every door and every aisle. I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see it. Stand to your feet, lift your hands. Sataye lororobokotoyaha. Ikataye lororobosotoyaha. Halorobosataye. Halorobosataye lororobokotoyaha. Halorobosataye. Ha. 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 I'm not going to ask anybody to do anything you don't want to do right now. You do whatever you want to do. But if you're hungry for this, I want you to respond. Whatever you want to do. I can't force you to want it. I can't force you to want this. I can't force you to want to go to higher dimensions. But if you want it, it's available. I said, if you want it, it's available. We got to give up control. We got to get together. We got to get unified. We got to get some junk out of our hearts. We got to be willing to say, God, you lead me and guide me and direct me. We got to be willing to have a daily relationship with the Lord. Uh, This is what it's talking about, to go up higher. It's difficult. Uh, It requires more out of us. Uh, But when we get to that place, he's trying to position us. Uh, The whole world's going to see the light. 